This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This is Kansas State's Felix Enidike Uzama, and you're listening to the PowerCat Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're subscribing to this show on your favorite podcast provider. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody. Together in the GPC studio, Ryan Gills Gilbert is on an extended family vacation. He's in a station wagon somewhere heading to Wally World. That's my prediction. I think they're going to end up at Wally World. And Cole, you know what happens when they get to Wally World. The park's not open. Sure, folks. Park's closed. Moose out front sure told you so. That's what's going to happen to the Gilbert family vacation. Uh, but I hope there is a hot woman in a sports car tormenting his would-be stepfather on this trip, right? Yes, and the dog pees on the sandwiches. Well, he would he would still eat that because pee's organic because he's weird. I should watch this movie apparently, or maybe I shouldn't watch it. I let's just know. let's just hope no aunts mm-hmm. died on the trip. Yeah, yeah, just don't tie anyone to the bumper. If you're going to tie anyone to the bumper, make it the sh- the fridge wholesale. Sh- oh my gosh, the fridge wholesale liquor. I think I just had a little stroke. Just a little one. Are they contagious? Are you know. previewing our college game day question? You may or may not have. Uh, are we going to have it? Do I have to answer this Corso? Because I just did a Corso. That's exactly right. Hey, stop into the fridge. Now, I'm not a wine drinker. I do like to wine, but not actually drink wine. Those are two separate activities. I'm not a wine person. I'm into the more cultured things like bourbon and vodka. Not this stuffy foo-foo stuff, wine. But this wine actually intrigues me because it's amazing packaging. And I hope the packaging equals the quality of this Chardonnay from... The Kings of Prohibition. Awesome packaging, cool name, it's wine. Stop into the fridge, ask them, hey, is the Kings of Prohibition Chardonnay any good? And they will be totally honest with you. They'll tell you whatever is the truth. And then if they say no, they'll upsell you to something more expensive because they're professionals at the fridge wholesale liquor. At the corner of this and that in the town in which we live, and this is the PowerCat Questions podcast. We take the questions from our subscribers at GoPowerCat on the incredible message board, Wild Bash Station. Been kind of fun lately. Really kind of hopping a little bit. 
And then we filter through those, where Zach does, and we come up with the best of the best that Zach thinks is best. And we answer them on this podcast. Sometimes we answer them thoroughly. Other times I go on tangents. And we will probably be a little bit shorter today because we don't have Ryan Gilbert, who just will not shut up on this podcast. 90% of the airwaves are dominated by Ryan when he's here. Right. He is the Howard Stern of Go Powercat. Like, I'll be doing a daily delivery. I'll be recording it. And he'll just show up behind me like, hey, need help? And I'm like, dude, you, what are you doing in my house? When did you get here? He just, he's just everywhere. But he's not here, which is kind of weird. Let's get going. Questions? Cole, go. First question comes from I Like Pickles Cat. Pickles! Will the rest of spooky season be more spooky for the cats or for their opponents? One of the things I love about Kansas State having homecoming fall, the last Saturday home game of October every year, it combines homecoming with Halloween. I like it. And I dress up as a slutty sports writer every year and go to the game. Plunging neckline for all to see. Uh, look, these next three weeks, spooky season or college football season, are huge. Huge. Which doesn't mean you can cash it in the next three weeks. But it, it just intrigues me, guys, as we recall what we said before the season started. What we thought would be the tough stretches. We did identify this as a tough stretch, but not starting with TCU. Starting with Oklahoma State and running through Baylor. That was the three-game stretch we talked about. TCU now right. has proven they are a contender. They're tied with K-State at the top of the conference. TCU, home games in Oklahoma State and Texas. This is a brutal stretch. And, oh, yeah, you still have Baylor in the next game. But I don't know what Baylor's doing right now. You lose at West Virginia. Speaking of which, K-State still gets to go there, and then they play Kansas. Every game's up in the air in this conference. It's a blast. The whole conference is spooky season. It, it, you just can't get a grasp on who's good and who's not. But if K-State wants to be good, they've got some games here to pile up where they can prove it and take control of this. I think Oklahoma State's already had their spooky scare outside of K-State. How did they blow that game? I don't know how they blew that. That's pretty spooky for them. So I think K-State can beat them, and they're definitely – it's more spooky for the opponent there. Every game for, is winnable. For TCU, I think you can win that game. I mean, TCU was out of it for the first half. I mean, you can look at Oklahoma State and TCU. You can watch the first half and say, wow, TCU looks really beatable. And then you can watch the second half and say, wow, Oklahoma State looks really beatable. So I think the next two games, I think that you can easily say, yeah, K-State can at the very least compete. Can they close out a game unlike Oklahoma State? Or can they maybe make a comeback where they need to against a team like uh, TCU? Cole, TCU, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Texas are probably the four best teams right now in this conference. Which of those teams looks unbeatable against the worst teams in the conference? Well, the answer has to be K-State because they're 3-0 and against them. <laughs> it's probably true, but they all, I mean, you look back at the start of the season, as I said, we thought the start of the season would be brutal. Oklahoma stinks. Iowa State is down. Texas Tech was probably the best opponent of the three, even though it was the least close game. That makes it the least closest game. And it was in Manhattan. 
Uh, I'm just amazed at how good this conference is. Nobody can take a week off. Texas played at home against Iowa State and should have lost last week. It's just insane. What makes this fun is the fact that K-State could finish the season 8-4 and four, or they could finish the season 11-1, and one, and I don't think anybody would be shocked. I'd be shocked at 11-1 just because of what we said. But you're right. At this point, K-State, you just don't know what to bet on. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying this could happen, but you could go into a three-week nosedive here that puts everything in doubt and gets you to 5-4, and four, and then you're wondering – who are we going to beat to get to in a bowl game? Because we can't beat these teams, and we barely are beating the bottom of the conference. It's just amazing how competitive it is and, and how things for a season can turn, not in a game, in a half. Oklahoma State riding high, thinking playoffs, probably thought it at halftime, you know, and boom, they gave it up. They, I still don't know how they lost. I think their offensive play calling played a big role in the loss. They did not play complimentary football in any way. They they were doing silly things with the ball, not running the clock. The clock becomes your enemy as much as the opponent, and they let TCU have enough time to tie it and get it to overtime. Of the four or the three next coaches that K-State plays, if you were to put K-State, you know, I would say talent-wise up against all of them, Top-tier talent versus top-tier talent, K-State is on par with these next three opponents. Now, K-State's probably better in some ways, and the opponents are also better in some ways. But overall, I think if you just compare strict roster, straight, straight rosters, K-State is just as talented as each of these next three teams they're going to play. So what does the X factor come down to? The X factor comes down to coaching. Who do you trust more, Chris Kleiman or Sonny Dykes? I'm not ready to say that I'm ready to trust Sonny Dykes. No. So I give K-State the advantage in that game. Who do you trust more, Chris, Chris Kleiman or Mike Gundy? Well, you know, traditional thinking says probably Mike Gundy, considering right. Chris Kleiman hasn't beat him. And then you go on to Texas. Who do you trust more, Chris Kleiman or Steve Sarkeesian? I'm not even going to entertain the idea that I trust Sark more than Chris Kleiman. So I think K-State has a legitimate chance to win two out of these next three games. And if they win against TCU, they might even be favorites against Oklahoma State. What's incredible, again, is the fact that Oklahoma State lost to TCU, plays Texas this weekend, could lose again, then come to Manhattan and, and win. I mean, nothing seems to be linked week to week. No no results of games seem to impact the next week. And it's in some ways, it's always that way. But in the Big 12 this year, Chris Kleiman's right. Every week is a season you've got to survive. And I think the advantage here for Kansas State is having a veteran quarterback who has been in a lot of close games, been on the wrong side of it, but probably understands how to win these games. And we've seen it in a couple of of opportunities here where K-State played close games, as long as they don't sleepwalk into a game like Tulane again, they're going to be fine. But I said this on my walk and talk. Adrian Martinez thinks they're close to playing their best game. Guys, I don't think they've even come close to playing their best game. You can look at Oklahoma, but then now that I've seen more of Oklahoma, I question the defense a little bit in that game. You can look at Iowa State, but you can also question the offense after Iowa State. I don't think they've come close to putting it together. If they put together an offense, defense, and special teams game, they're going to route one of these three opponents, which will send shockwaves through college football. You mentioned the long-in-the-tooth quarterback. That was what this next question comes from, from Big Sam. Are people 
the Go Powercats staff, being a bit optimistic about K-State airing it out under Adrian Martinez based upon the Iowa State game. I would note the two huge pass plays came about on some iffy heaves that were not works of art, to say the least. Uh, they weren't. But he did take advantage of them. I mean, you know, he got the ball out there and down there. That's what happens quite a bit when you got a quarterback who can move around and extend plays. But those two passes did skew the stats and not made it, and made it a unfair representation of the passing game because that racked up such huge yardage for those two plays. Have you seen Adrian Martinez? Maybe not with your own eyes, but have you seen numbers that say Adrian Martinez can throw the football? Yeah, he can throw the football. It's just depending on what they want to do with it. I just have, I have absolutely, I have no doubt that this team can move the ball against a defense, against defenses. That, let's be honest. Iowa State might have the best defense in the Big 12. They might. Yep. I agree. They're going to have a chance against TCU. If you go back and you watch that TCU-Oklahoma State game, Oklahoma State was in the red zone. I, I want to say almost every single drive in the first half. They came away with what? Four field goals? It was something ridiculous like that. K-State is going to be able to move the ball against TCU. Right. And, yes, I fully believe that this bye week was as much of a bye week for the offensive staff as it was for the players. They will come out and they will look so much more sharp simply because now they know this is what we're good at. Let's improve what maybe we're lacking. And if they don't do that, then we'll know that there still needs to be some work on that offensive side of things. But if they come out and they air the ball out and they look a little bit more sharp, we'll know that's what they focused on. And if you can do something really well, like running the football with your quarterback, and then if they can pick up the slack with the passing game, it's going to make them really hard to stop. Zach, is saying that Kansas State can't pass because of Adrian Martinez giving a completely – um, unjustified pass to the receivers. I I feel like you, you can't just let the receivers off the hook for the passing game struggles. Yeah, there's definitely been some drop balls. But I think, you know, answering the question here, I think, yes, you can look at the stats of Iowa State and say, yeah, those two deep balls, those skewed the stats a bit. You know, there weren't as many yards as what the, the box score says. But what those passes did, it shows that it, it exists in the game plan. It gives you the opportunity to throw those balls and it presents itself the threat to the defense that they have to cover it. So I think that it's easy to be optimistic on the chances, not necessarily executing on those chances. You know, I, I think that, yeah, you can look at the wide receivers and say, Hey, you need to step up. You need to get more open. You need to catch balls. You know, you need to, you know, be there for, for the catch. But also I think that just opening up the playbook a little bit, throwing it deep, like you did at Iowa state on those two balls, I think it kind of shows a little bit more of what the offense can do. And the bottom line is this Tyler Lockett's not walking through that door. Folks, Chris Harper is not coming in and putting on number three and getting out there and playing receiver. You're not going to have these deep threats that are able to just run past the secondary. K-State has to work with what they have at the receiver position. So if you're a fan who's complaining about K-State not throwing the ball down the field, well, maybe you understand that that is going to happen once or twice a game like it did against Iowa State. The reason it's going to happen once or twice a game against Iowa State is because this group of receivers just it's not their game. 
That's just not their game. Cade Warner is not going to run past anybody. I love Cade Warner, but he's not going to be able to just run past anybody. Phillip Brooks is going to be able to sit in a zone and catch a ball for 12 yards. Malik Knowles is going to be able to run a slant route. But they're not going to run past guys because that's not their game. And quite honestly, that's nobody's fault but the coaching staff for not being able to get a deep threat in here and you know just let Adrian rip it rip it loose like like Clyman talked about on Tuesday but yeah I mean I'm not worried about the passing game I think it'll be different but there'll be a lot of 10 yard 12 yard throws K-State will matriculate the ball down the field it will look more like an NFL style offense than people um, are used to but I think that they'll be fine on the on the throwing they're gonna have to be more consistent with their ability to throw the ball and again it goes back to what I said earlier in the year. I'm not looking for those long bombs. I'm just looking for 15, 20 yards down the field where you keep safeties back away from the running game. And that's really what they need to get effective at. Yep. Next question comes from GT Cat. Is Austin Moore the modern-day Jonathan Truman? I never thought about it, but reading the question, I was like, I think that's the comparison. Yeah. Jonathan Truman was more physical, more inside middle guy, but yeah. Uh, you can also find, you know, other linebackers that have emerged. Uh, I'm, it's just incredible to me how Ryan far. Mueller? Well, well, he wasn't a yeah. defensive end. Defensive, defensive end. end. I mean, yeah, Ian Campbell similar. was a walk-on yeah. defensive end. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's it's crazy that it takes a while for some of these kids from smaller Kansas towns to catch up physically. But, boy, when he caught up, he he understands the game so well that he compensates for so much. He's he's really impressive. He's just so sound in what he does. It's You can't take him off the field. If I would have told you, Fitz, that Austin Moore would have been the leading tackler going into the bye week, what do you think K-State's record would be? Hmm. I would have said like three and four. Yeah. Because I would have thought Daniel Green would have been hurt and a bunch and of things would have gone wrong. Yeah. They were that bad. They had an extra loss. For oh, yeah. Three and three. Yeah. Same thing. I, I'm shocked that Austin Moore, quite honestly, is is played at the level he was. I mean, we asked Chris Kleiman about it. He said, this is what I expected. I don't know if they really expected this because I don't think they would have brought in Brandon Jennings and Will Honus if they expected Austin right. Moore to be this good. But the fact that he has basically – he's covered their ass. He has covered yeah. the coaching staff's ass and been a dude because if it would have – if they would have – if he would have not have been a dude, the defense looks a lot different. Okay. I totally agree. I, I mean, he just kind of ties everything together in a way that no one else on the roster can in terms of the front to the back of the defense. And he's been really effective. He's fun to watch. If you just watch him, he just beats guys to the spot. Like a lineman will try to square him up and, and take him out, and he just gets around him. He's slippery. He's slippery. Exactly. Next question comes from Momo Cat. Momo. Knock on wood. I don't, That's not wood, it's, bud, it's, but it all right. Be like composite wood. Yeah. I don't know what that is. If K-State makes it to the Big 12 championship, who do you want to play? Uh, Alabama in the Big, Big 12 championship. I'd make a statement right there. Can I say KU? Oh, my gosh. That would that doesn't all, count, though. That would be awful. <laughs> I, 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 I can't take the stress of that. Um, I don't care. I, I'd prefer not Oklahoma or Texas. I think it'd be cool if it was TCU. I think it'd be cool if we had back-to-back seasons in the Big 12 with no OU in Texas, and yet four different schools played in the title game. I think that'd be kind of neat. Um, it'd, it'd make a statement about what this conference is about to become, lacking some of those big national draws, but incredible football. So, um, 
yeah, I I really don't care. I'd prefer it not to be Texas. That's just it. It's not going to be Oklahoma. If K-State beats Texas, Texas ain't making the Big 12 championship. Probably not. If K-State can lose to TCU, beat Oklahoma State, beat Texas, and play TCU in the championship game. I honestly think if you were to make – I don't know what the live odds are, but if K-State beats TCU on Saturday, they have to be – They've got to be the favorite. Yeah, they've mm-hmm. got to be in the driver's seat at that Like, point. I mean, they will, but I caution everyone: we won't even be halfway through the Big Twelve schedule yeah. at that point. We'll be four out of nine down, and in this conference, that could mean you're four and five at the end of the year. That's how crazy this conference is. So, yeah, I, I mean, if they win the next two, the odds are in their favor greatly to be there. I, I just kind of hope it's another. A, Opportunity for the Big 12 to say, hey, we play good football completely detached from these two brands that everyone loves because of brand. Oklahoma has been a really good program for years, but all Texas has is a brand. They have stunk more consistently than been, been good. So they haven't really delivered much to the conference other than a brand that people love to watch lose a lot. And I think, and honestly, I think when they go in the SEC, Texas is going to get lost in the wash. I think some of that passion and hatred for Texas will will disappear. They'll be out of the hair of everyone else in Texas except for A&M. So I'm, I'm, I'm just fascinated about where this all leads in 10, 15 years. I'm going to ask you guys this. He's going to ask us something. We haven't, we haven't really talked about yeah, this. Well, uh, but I want to bring this up. We haven't given our picks yet either. But okay, well, true. Well, before we get before we make our picks, okay. I think you talk about the Big Twelve championship, and if K State makes it to the Big Twelve championship, there's going to be a lot of folks that say, "Oh, well, the Big Twelve, one of the p- people playing in the Big Twelve championship game, lost a Tulane." Yeah, right. Right. Well, that Tulane Green Wave team is now number twenty-five in the country. Right. Does that loss, like at this point, are, are we almost looking at that as a good thing for this football team because we realize now that Tulane was a pretty damn good team. And I don't think it's a good thing, but it's helpful that they're I, good. I just don't know if K-State is in the position they are if they if they win that game. Now, that's that's the intriguing X factor. Do do they have a game like that against Iowa State if it's not Tulane? Are they 5 and 1 but with a conference loss? So in a, in a weird way, yeah, I've said this before that losing to to Tulane is good if you're going to lose a game cuz now you're unbeaten in the conference. I think Tulane's pretty good, but let's not forget that they too turned around and lost to someone they should have beaten in losing to Southern Miss. But they are a pretty darn good football program, and um, they might be they're they're in the same position as Kansas State in the American. They've got some pretty pretty good programs in UCF and Cincinnati nipping at their heels, but right now they're sitting atop the the standings. I, I would never have thought that that game would have such meaning. You know, as we head down the season, but it does look pretty important. It certainly looks important for Tulane to have that win. They might have a win over the Big Twelve champion. That's pretty cool for them. But yeah, it damages K State's resume. Am I crazy for saying that for the team I'd pick for Big Twelve championship would be TCU? No, because that's who I would pick. I don't We're want to go State because if you go going into this week, it's easy to say, but you watch them against Oklahoma State. That first half, TCU's beatable. And if K-State's defense is as good as they are, mm-hmm. the second half TCU has doesn't happen. Right. Or it shouldn't happen. So I think that K-State, if they and, and if they go down and if they happen to lose this weekend, I think that puts a chip on their shoulders and you can go back and, you know, 
go get them the second time. But if you beat TCU, I think that you have that increased confidence. You know, TCU will have the chip on their shoulder if they're playing K-State after they lost to them this season. But I think that that's a situation where I think K-State, if they win the first one, I think they can win a second one. That's why I'll say this. Sonny Dykes and Max Duggan or Spencer Sanders and Mike Gundy? That's your answer. Max Duggan and Sonny Dykes 100% of the time and twice on Sundays. I'm still not sold on them. I'm just not. I'm not at all sold on them. They're going to buy into the hype this week. I'm calling it right now. They're buying into the hype. They're fans storm the field. This is the definition of a letdown game. Yeah. Could be. So keep that in mind as you watch the game on Saturday. And they're wearing their all blacks with a little purple. They wear them all the time. Muy pequeño. I liked last week's with the red. I think that's the coolest thing that they do. Yeah. That anybody does. Just add it as a school color. It's blood red. Yeah, it technically is. Add it. With the horn frog shooting out their eyes. It's the poison coming from the... <laughs> yeah. They're killer frogs. Last question of the first half of the podcast. The killer frogs growl. I'm a frog. I think they go ribbit. Okay. Uh, it comes from Crunch Cat Supreme. Mm. Who should K-State invite as the guest picker when they host Oklahoma State on college game day next Saturday? A, Eric Stone Street. B, Kurt Warner. C, Bill Snyder, D, Sylvester Stallone, or E, other? Those are good choices. I can see them going with Coach Snyder. I had never really thought of that. I hadn't either. That's an interesting choice. <sighs> I have it on good authority that if A was asked, he would propose either Darren Sproles or Jordy Nelson. I think Jordy's probably the choice. I mean, he's right here. He's in town. It's the best for the university, probably. Yeah. Although seeing Darren come back would be pretty dang cool. I think we can write off the whole Stallone thing. Sylvester Stallone. What? You don't think he's going to come on to promote uh, Tulsa King? Tulsa King. By the way, that show looks amazing. I just want to say that. I don't know if you're keeping up with the uh, family gossip here. But there's a divorce going on that will detach this segment of the family from the Stallones. So mm-hmm. I don't think it'll happen. Kurt Warner's an interesting choice, though. I think I think it could be Kurt Warner. I really do. It'd be kind of disappointing because it doesn't really represent K-State necessarily. His son's on the team, but yeah, I don't know. I, I say, you know. You don't, you don't think that uh, Stone, Stone Street would be the odds-on favorite if... It is announced. But he's already done it before. And I I think he's he wouldn't mind the spotlight being on someone else. I think he's kind of backed up a little bit, if you notice. He's not as out there as he was, which would get tiresome. Except for Randy Reed. Give Randy a ring. You don't, you don't know what I'm talking uh, about. It's Andy Reed's brother. Andy Reed. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I know. But Jordy Nelson would be interesting. I'm just, I just, it doesn't move the needle with Coach Snyder, Jordy Nelson, and Kurt Warner. To me, it doesn't really move the needle as far as entertainment goes. I mean, if you get Darren on there, I think it'd be interesting because he is what people know of as K State football nationally, I feel like. Jordy Nelson would be the best because he's friends with Pat. That is a good point. There you go. Oh. That's a very valid point. That is exactly the direction they would go. It would be him. <laughs> of course, we could also go with the noted Kansas State football fan and Zach Carlson's favorite country artist of all time. Ooh, Kane Brown. Kane Brown. 
We have no idea why he's a K-State football fan, but he has said it. Where would they set up game day? (sighs) We didn't talk to anybody about this, did we? No. Where would they? It can't be Aggieville. They they've talked about setting it up on like on the lawn in front of Anderson. But that would require like a night game. I mean nobody if even if it's a two thirty game, nobody wants to go out there, hang out, and then miss out on Tim. Hear me out. Hear me out. I, I will because your mic's on. Six day window announced. Mm-hmm. You could theoretically get selected for game day and then get selected for the night game. That's true. Right after that. Yeah. And you have Kirk, Curve Street, and Chris Fowler on the. I was hoping someone on the message board would do the dirty work and do the research about what else they're. Somebody has. They're considering. And if it's baseball or I don't even know. Does ESPN even have baseball? No, No, it's all Fox for at this point in the playoffs. So maybe it's Fox holding it up because of baseball. With the the six day pick. I don't think Fox is going to take this game for big noon. In terms of their pregame show, I think it's ESPN actually this time. Okay. I think there's more ESPN slots because Fox has Big Noon and then there's baseball, so they have less slots anyway. There's no need for them to hold it up, in my opinion. All they I already know chose this week is if you have game day in Manhattan, Kansas during the day, followed by an extended period for uh, participation of drinking activities. <sighs> On a Halloween weekend leading up to a night game at the Bill, I think there'd be chaos. It'd be beautiful chaos. But the logistics would be great at Anderson. Oh, it'd look beautiful. Multiple parking garages, parking lots. It'd look easy to get there. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, I think it'd be really cool and. You know what? I, I mean, it would it would show the beauty of the K-State campus. It really would because it, it is a nice campus. You just can't drive through it anymore or you have to physically get out of your car and walk. And, you know, at least Anderson looks really cool. RIP to that grass, though, if you have all yeah, that it'll stuff be late, up there. It'll be late October. It's, it's, it's going to be RIP'd anyhow. It's, it doesn't have much time. It's all going to die. Spooky season. So we all think it's K-State and TCU, and uh, game day will be here next next week. That's what we're all going with. We are assuming a lot. You know what happens when you assume? You go to break. And that's it for the first half of the Powercat Questions podcast. I assume you will be back after the break because we will, and so will the fridge. The fridge isn't going anywhere. I can't talk today. Jeez. This is Kansas State's Cooper Beebe. The leaders in K-State sports coverage will be right back with more of the PowerCat Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Kansas State's Daniel Green, and welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast. Three guys and four microphones. One is off because we have no Ryan Gilbert. Sadness has filled the airwaves. Are there airwaves on the podcast? I don't know. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody. There you go. You got the guild treatment there. Thank you. Midnight? No midnight? Oh, yeah. Midnight. Still a pretty cool nickname. Papa. He's Papa Midnight? That's a good rap name. Oh, Papa John. Oh, Papa John Midnight. I, I I don't think either one of those two things go with each other. No, and if you uh, there's a rumor on the street that he uh, actually is Papa John's um, clone. But I will say this: illegitimate child. Come on, get it we right. do not have any relationship with each other. Any comments that are made by Mister Papa are mm-hmm. not. I do not affiliate. I'm more okay, sure. in line with yeah, the yeah. current uh, Papa John spokesperson Shaquille O'Neal than I am the former Papa John's. Hmm. Spokesperson. Shakaroni guy, huh? Hmm. Interesting. Daphne didn't agree with that at all. The fridge is better than Papa John's. The the fridge is delicious. And I forgot to mention them. Thank you for steering me right back into it. The fridge wholesale liquor is our sponsor. They've been doing it. I've lost track how many years. It's just, uh, it's really cool. Make sure you stop into the fridge, check out the products from our other sponsors that sponsor the Friday walkthrough which is, of course, the part-time beverage company out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Go get you some. That's what I say. Some, uh, what I have, I'm just totally spaced off now. Club special Thank and you. Cape Cod. Thank you. God, Lord. Sitting right there. I can't see it because the chair is in my way. That's what happened is I looked and the chair was in the way, and then I'm like, And now, your questions for Bob Station. Take it away, Cole. The first question of the second half comes from Go Uper Cat. K-State basketball was picked to finish dead last in the Big 12 preseason poll. He says, I want to be more optimistic, but is it unrealistic to have higher expectations for a brand new staff and essentially a new roster? Yeah. I mean, what they weren't good last year, but I mean, they're rebuilding a program that was a disaster. It, it was a disaster. They, they ran off most of the roster... And you could make an argument they're better for it, even though they were picked last. Right? Am I crazy there? Maybe there's a guy or two they could have kept that would help this team. But I don't know. I mean, I don't think so. Only the equation only comes to pass if they don't have a full roster. And you can say, well, Logan Landers would at least been a body. Or Sultan Miguel would at least play defense. Or something like that. But for the most part, they improved this program. But... It's just a giant unknown. I don't blame anyone for voting K-State last. Why wouldn't you vote K-State last? And it's not saying that because K-State was voted 10th in this conference that they're awful. It's just meaning they're probably going into the season the worst team in the conference. They still could be a really good team. You, We talk about football being competitive. Holy cow, basketball in this conference is nuts. We have no idea how good this team is going to be. Simply because, A, there's been no media day. B, there's been nobody who's seen any of these guys play besides the 13 players that are on that roster and about the 52 support staff that they have. Um, other than that, nobody knows how, how, this, how good this team's going to be. But I will say this. You can be optimistic because guess what? 
All you have to do is look at those guys and yeah. say they are better athletes than the guys that were in here before. That is a credit to the strength staff. There's a credit to the coaches. And quite honestly, it wasn't that hard to be much better than the guys that were in here last no, year. it wasn't. Yeah, I don't think it's unrealistic to have higher, ex- higher expectations. But like you guys have said, you know, who wouldn't pick K-State last right. this year? It makes sense. And quite frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if they finished last still anyway. I, because we just don't know. We don't know. And if they do, so what? Right. There's a future here. There was no future the last few years for K-State basketball. And they were still finishing around last. I'm I'm very optimistic about the program going forward. I think they've added some really nice pieces. They're recruiting at a higher level than we've seen in a very long time. I will give them a pass this year. Do I want them to look awful? No. Do I expect them to play hard? Yeah. And I'm not even going to make a chart about it. I expect them to be competitive, put it out there, play for the colors, play for the brand. And we'll see what happens. You want to know why they'll be better this year, Fitz? Why? Because they have seniors on this team. They have multiple guys who have played years and years of major college basketball. There was none of that last year. There was never... Except for the years they won Big 12 titles, there was never experience on the roster because there was such an alarming turnover. They had a high turnover before the transfer portal, but measured against transfer portal expectations, it was still a high turnover. It was crazy. I appreciate that he wiped the slate clean. Would I have kept a guy or two? Probably. But I appreciate that he said, you know what, you two, I'm keeping you. Everyone else can go, you know where. You know what? I'm going to I'm going to say something maybe kind of controversial, but after everything that's happened this offseason, I'm almost kind of glad that Nigel Pack is not on this team. Because I just don't know if he fits into okay. what they're building. And that's nothing against Nigel cuz he was always a very nice young man whenever we had a chance to talk to him. But how they're building this team, Marquise Noel is the shortest player on the team. No. Obviously. He's maybe the shortest player on the women's team too. Every single player other than that is over 6'2". fairly close. Every single player other than that is over 6'2". Nigel Pack was not 6'2". No. They have a million guys who are just tall and lengthy and freaky athletic. Yeah, if you haven't seen these guys and, you know, just out and about or, you know, at an event, it's amazing the size and length involved here. They just look different than what K-State basketball has looked like in a long time. Now, let me ask you this. Who has a better season? Marquise Noel or Nigel Pack? Probably Nigel. I just don't. I just don't think that. I don't. I don't. I think that's well, gonna. I think it's gonna blow up in Miami. It's I, gonna be a disaster. Yeah. I think I he'll s- get his. I don't know if. I don't know if Miami will be better than K State. Right. I think K State can be the better team than Miami, but I still think Nigel probably puts up the better numbers. He'll than get. Marquise he'll does. get his. I mean, he's a great shooter. He can create his own shot. But I mean, if you want to go statistically, probably. Um, Probably Nigel, but again, I don't think Marquise Noel is going to have to do it all like Nigel Pack is probably going to have to do I think Nigel will struggle like Marquise did last year, not being the guy. And you saw Marquise have to adjust to that. He was still trying to be the guy when he wasn't the guy. And I don't think there's any way that he's going to be the guy in Miami. I don't think his teammates will let him. I think their point will not be to win basketball games, but to prove that he's overpaid. That could happen. NIL is a wild frontier, and it could blow up on people. Speaking of um, wins and losses, Cole Katz, three, first of all, amazing name. 
Let me just so say. it's 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 C O A L. Yeah, and every time every time I post something, he he comments common cool W. So I'm going to say common cool W back to him because I think his name is, is cool. Either way, uh, do you think it is a reasonable take to think that K State basketball can go undefeated in non conference play? What a horrible question. No, I'm sorry. What was the question? <laughs> can K State go undefeated in non conference play? Uh, I doubt it. I'm I mean, going to say no. No, I mean they got some. They play at Cal. Cal is terrible. Cal's terrible. But it's the second game of the year. Yeah, I mean they're just gonna have a game they lose or you know, I mean, Butler. That's a tough game. But I mean it, okay. I mean or again, I've had these conversations with people before, but with the expectation of Bruce Weber teams was that, you know, you had to have a good non conference because you didn't play anybody. They actually play some people in this schedule. Mm-hmm. So I guess the real question should be, is it Reasonable to think that they should go undefeated against the UTRGVs, the Kansas Cities, and the Abilene Christians of the world. Because to me, that answer should be yes. You should be better than those teams. And mm-hmm. I might even throw Wichita State in there because they're not that they were not that good last year. You should be able to beat basically any school that is non-power five. And and quite frankly, Butler was fourteen to nineteen last year. That hurts. So yeah, but maybe um, I don't know. Uh, but I do think they're going to lose one. You're like, oh, crap. They lost a uh, – let's not hope it's not UMKC, but, you know, one of those that just – Rhode Island in the Cayman Islands Classic. Did you know that Rhode Island is not actually an island? Huh. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. K-State might have a chance to avenge that football loss against Tulane because they either play Nevada or Tulane in the second game of the Cayman Islands Classic. Do you think that's going to really motivate them? Yes, I do. Okay. Is that it? That's it. Okay. Next question. I'm not. Uh, I'm not addressing answers to questions by guys. Guys named Cole. Go ahead, Cole. Do you want me to ask a next question then, or are we just going to stop since you're not answering questions from people named Cole? The question's not actually by you. It's being read by you. Oh, okay. Uh, from Cat Alum 1976, which, by the way, I'm going to assume that he graduated K State in 1976. Maybe. Um, mm. Which basketball player is going to be the biggest surprise this year? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, for an old guy. Uh, let's see here. Best, who's going to surprise in basketball? Keontae Johnson. That's not a surprise. We expect him to be good. You can't pick, like, you can't just say, oh, who's the best looking guy in the room? And you say Fitz. And I'm like, oh, everyone knows that. But, but do we expect Keontae Johnson to be yeah. good? Yeah. Okay. It was, yeah, unless he has health issues, I do expect him to be good. How good? Like. All conference level? Yeah, he could be. Okay. Well, you know, if you're. Oh, and 18, the conference, maybe not. But, yeah, I mean, he could get there. He certainly could. Um, I, I honestly don't know. But I I think Naquan Tomlin is going to – there's just – there's something going on here. The fact they're taking him to Kansas City on Wednesday for Big 12 Media Days, you know, as a guy who hasn't been around this before. I mean, he didn't even play high school basketball. That is, This could be one of the incredible stories of college basketball. And and then he goes to junior college and is really good, and he's a 6'10 guard. And that isn't, I want to be a guard. He plays like a guard. So I'm, I'm just intrigued by him. And and if he really is good to go with, Keontae, I'm still a badass Johnson. That's his nickname, by the way. Um, yeah, this team could be pretty good. Be I, fun. I, I think that. The the player I'm going to say is 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 Keontae, and I agree with you on Naquan Tomlin. The reason I'm going to say Keontae is because I've talked to some people, most notably Ryan Gilbert, who has the bar set extremely low for Keontae, and I understand that simply because he hasn't played since 2020. 
But I, I watch this kid. I look at this kid, and I think this guy is an NBA talent. You know, another one of those guys is Naquan Tomlin as well. But Keontae Johnson can come in here and can be an all Big 12 player from the jump. If you go back and you look at his highlights again when he was he was at Florida, he was the best player in the SEC. There's a reason why he was voted SEC player of the year. He was a lottery pick before he had this condition. By all means, we've heard he's healthy. That is a guy who K-State fans are going to be shocked at how good he is. I've said this before. I think K-State has not seen an athlete like that at that position since Bill Walker or Michael Beasley. I mean, K-State's had a lot of really good guards. They've had some good big men. But somebody who can do the things that he does, they have not seen somebody like that since Michael Beasley. And true NBA talent, which is what he is, a guy who can go score, a guy who can get rebounds, and a guy who can handle the ball. I think he's going to be an absolute surprise. He's going to be a star. Um, it might take some time, but I think he is going to be the biggest surprise. And you mentioned Naquan Tomlin. Another guy that I think has a chance to be really, really good this year um, is is Tyke Green. Uh, they transferred from Stony Brook. I mean, this was a guy who put up buckets against KU. He spent time playing in lots of college basketball. He'll have an opportunity to come in immediately and start. The guy looks like he can play linebacker for K-State on the football team. He is absolutely jacked. I think that he's another one of those guys who people might be sleeping on to start the season. But I'm excited for all these guys. And what do they all have in common? They've all had experience playing college basketball. That is going to help this team. I'm with Fitz. I think the surprise has already happened. It's Tomlin. And the fact that they're taking him into media days, like Fitz says, just says that they believe in this guy. Let's put him out in front of the media. Let's, you know, let's get him out there because, you know, someone that's, limited basketball experience at this level is kind of crazy. So I think that that's the surprise. It's amazing how you can go from not ever playing high school basketball to playing a year at Juco where you redshirt. You just randomly, you feel like, all right, well, he played good. He looked good in the parks. Let's get him out here at Juco. He redshirts, plays another year, and then he transfers to another college, plays another year there, and now he's playing Power 5 basketball. To think that in his fourth year of playing organized basketball he's gone from literally playing on the playground to playing in in front of thousands of fans at Bramwich Coliseum it's remarkable so yeah he'll be fun to watch for sure Uh, the last question of the second half comes from and the last question of the second half and of the podcast comes from call me t22 there's been lots of talk about football scheduling with new members coming in what will basketball scheduling look like at both 14 and 12 divisions seem to make a lot more sense for sports like basketball and volleyball no, they don't. I mean, if it will be intriguing. 14 is a sloppy number to try to schedule around in both in all sports. It's just a bad number. Well, I saw that there was a you report look that at the, if you look at the Big Ten and the SEC, that's probably the model they'd choose. I don't know exactly what their model is, but probably divisions John, some, or something that looks like divisions at least. John Rothstein came out with a report that said, I believe that K-State was going to, or not just K-State, but the Big 12 was planning on doing next year, every team plays everybody, and then there's specific rivalry games that get played twice. Oh, basketball, yeah, yeah. So K, K-State, KU will play twice. They'll play 18, but yeah, K-State, KU will guaranteed be twice, and then after that, there'll be other two-game series. It's yeah. just not guaranteed. Right. And, and we get that you know, Sterling, um, brand new rivalry between Iowa State and BYU, guaranteed. <sighs> Big stuff. Big stuff. Yeah, I. <clears throat> I mean, if they get to sixteen, it's pretty easy to schedule. 
I mean, you, you just look at basketball. If you have a four-team scheduling pod, which isn't just randomly picked, they're kind of regional. So it, in this case, it would likely be K-State, KU, Iowa State, Oklahoma State. Um, you play all of them twice. That's that, that makes sense. I mean, those are the teams that you have the most in common with. You would play them twice. That gets you six games. And, you know, then there's, what, um, 12 other teams in the conference? Six plus 12 single games? You're at 18. So it, it gets pretty easy at 16. It, you know, Brett Yormark apparently just said at uh, Women's Basketball Media Day in Kansas City that they're planning on have Oklahoma and Texas for the next two years, that it's now kind of set in stone. Yeah. And the only reason it's set in stone, well, two reasons here. I mean, ESPN wants them out early for their ESPN contract, but isn't willing to give Fox anything. I mean, Fox has part ownership of them. They'd be losing Oklahoma and Texas. And the other reason is uh, Oklahoma is in over its head with its financial obligations. It can't pay the exit fee, which is kind of funny to me that they're going to the SEC for the money and they don't have money. I mean, it just it's kind of sad that they're in this predicament. I think it'll still get worked out. I think eventually ESPN will say, we want them out of here. We don't like this. This is they're These new teams are getting scheduled against Oklahoma and Texas and getting the tar beaten out. You know, it's, it's, they're devaluing the OU Texas brand, which would be a, a huge nightmare for ESPN. If they go into a prolonged tailspin at the end of the conference affiliation, but I think it'll get worked out and they'll give Fox the OU Texas game or something, you know, here, here have, have a piece of candy. So I, I'm not sure how it's all going to work out, but I, I don't want them around anymore. I don't want them around the rest of the season. I wish they could leave right now. They're, they're just tiresome. They're, they're just, they now, now that they can't win football games, they're talking about their value. I mean, who, who cares? How does a media rights value affect you? But yeah, they'll they'll figure out a way to get eighteen in basketball, and at fourteen it gets really awkward. Just really, really awkward. Just get rid of them. Just uh, come on, poverty Sooners, pay your bills. Poverty Sooners, I'm wearing their colors right now too. That is as sure as a bummer, boomer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's it for this edition of the Powercat Questions podcast, starring Daphne, who we had to cut out a number of times barking because she is she's more high strung than someone that said Oklahoma would be better without Lincoln Riley. That's how high strung she is. Like she doesn't know what's going on. She's so confused. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks to the fridge for your ongoing support. Thank you for listening to the Powercat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.